0: Okay, good morning. But time for us to begin. Appreciate you being here this morning. Uh, as we continue our study through the book of Esther, we will be in Esther chapter 6 this morning. So might as well uh, open up to Esther chapter 6, because that's where we'll be for uh, the majority of the morning. And again, it's good to see everyone this morning. Uh, we have just kind of, by way of review, just kind of catch us up where we uh, are at. Actually, this morning's lesson is going to be a, a little different because Esther, who, of course, is our main character, uh, she's not going to be in this chapter. So, uh, but we're going to see, again, the, the actions between uh, this man Mordecai and this other man Haman. Uh, but just, again, to catch us up where we were, uh, of course, Esther uh, was, you know, that, that decree went out to uh, the whole land, of course, that by Haman, uh, who got the king's permission to have all of the Jews, again, killed, annihilated, destroyed, and that, of course, word gets to Mordecai. Mordecai is, of course, grieving because of that, and, uh, but he uses Esther, who is now the queen, right? Uh, you know, how, how ironic is that, that the queen of the entire you know, a nation is a Jew, uh, Esther, and Mordecai... Of course, remember, he kind of gives her that pep speech, that, that pump, pump her up speech to listen, you know, it, it maybe, you know, just maybe, just perhaps you are where you're at for a reason, right? Uh, that you are queen and that uh, it's you, you have the responsibility to save your people. And so she's, of course, nervous about this, right? Because uh, you can't just walk into a king's a court, or at least this king's court, without being invited. And so if you're not going to be invited, uh, you're going to have to hope that he extends the scepter. Because if he doesn't, uh, then you're dead. You know? And so she's, of course, worried about that. And, uh, but he, she does, she gets the courage, she goes in there, and uh, we see that interaction between her and the king. Right? The, she requests that, uh, I've got this banquet, I want you to come, and I want Haman to come. Now of course so we talked about this last week, right? Uh, Esther, being the prudent woman she was, uh, she has a plan, and uh, she's not, you know, like kind of what I mentioned earlier, shooting from the hip. You know, she's got a plan. She's going to see this plan uh, to put to action, and so she has this banquet prepared for the two of them. And the king's curious, wasn't he? Uh, he was asking, you know, what's what's the big deal? You know, why did you come to me? Why did you? Or why do you want to speak to me? And uh, and Esther said, well, I'm not going to tell you now, but I'm going to have another banquet tomorrow. Uh, and I want you both to return, and then I'll let you know. And so <laughs> we know that at the end of that story uh, last week that uh, Haman left. Remember, his pride is you know through the roof uh, because he is the only person in the kingdom that's allowed to be at this banquet uh, with the king and queen. But then there's Mordecai. Right. There's Mordecai again. And what is Mordecai not doing? He's not bowing down. Uh, He's still he's not bowing down. And so Haman, uh, he was enraged. Now, he didn't burst out on the scene there, but we said it said that he went home to his wife and his friends and they counseled him. And remember, what what did they tell him to do? yeah they told him to, told him to build the gallows, right go to the king, ask permission to have hame, or have Mordecai executed on the gallows, and so that's where we left off last week, and the gallows are prepared and so you know we're going to see in this chapter, chapter six, again, esther's not really mentioned uh, at all, but you know this is again it's one of those providential Chapters. Uh, it's just amazing the of all of the you know the dominoes that are uh, taking place in this chapter in order for the things to work. And again, we've talked about providence uh, really uh, a lot through the book of Ruth and through uh, Esther, how God is providing for the people. And uh, again, this this is just another one of these chapters that's going to uh, lay claim to this. Right? Some might some might look at these uh, chapters and be like, you know, these are just a bunch of coincidences, you know that that uh, these things are happening. That you know she was chosen as queen, or that uh, Mordecai happened to be present when those two guards of the king were plotting to um, to uh, you know take over, or at least to assassinate the king. Right? Some people might think uh, you know those were just simply coincidences, right? That they were at the right place at the right time, but. Um, I think you and I kind of see God's fingerprints on these, don't we? And so again, we're going to see that uh, again here um, in in a moment. But let me ask you, you know, I I mentioned that we were going to talk about this at some point in in these lessons, but, you know, where have you seen providence in your life? I mean, does anyone want to give an example of, you know, where they've seen God's providence And again, it's something that we can't necessarily say for sure, because even the Apostle Paul said in the book of Philemon, you know, perhaps, you know, God meant to do it this way. Um, But there are things in our lives where, you know, we could say after the fact, it really felt like God was involved. You know, that I was there at that time. Does anyone have any examples they want to share? Do I have to give mine first? Well, I, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but you know, I just look back at my life, right? Um, of a, a boy growing up in Michigan, meeting a girl growing up in Kansas. You know, a girl who was a member of the church, right? And I knew nothing about religion, nothing about anything when it came to the Bible. And you know, how our paths crossed, I don't know. You know, someone might say it was just simply a coincidence, right? Uh, but for her to leave Kansas, been there what, seventeen years, to go to Tennessee for a year, and then to Michigan, and then us being up in the same classroom together, uh, coincidence or was that God's providence? Is that God putting someone in my path that um, you know that, that, that was going to, you know, teach me the gospel? Uh, I think God's fingerprints were all over that. I can't know for sure, right? Because the scriptures aren't going to tell me that. But I feel like the Apostle Paul, perhaps, you know, that was the reason why. You know, maybe you again, maybe you have the same examples of, you know, of somebody, you know, you were sick. And so you didn't go in the office that day. And uh, an evangelist came and knocked on your door that day and said, do you want to study the Bible? You know, again, was it coincidence that you were sick and uh, that he came by that day, or was God behind that? Is that God working behind the scenes, not doing anything miraculous, but working behind the scenes in our lives? Anyone? Anyone else? I think he does it all the time, especially when are getting at a basket down and out. He shows us we see a little clear of life, a little hope there that keeps us from sinking deeper. God causes all things to work for good to those who love him. Right? Romans eight, twenty eight. I know i quoted that quite a bit, but um yeah so uh, we're going to see that here in a moment as we begin reading through chapter six, because I think you're going to see some more providential aspects of this story. So let's let's jump in. Well, before we do that, uh, you know, this this uh, um, lesson today is not only about providence. So there's other things I think we can learn as well. And um, uh, another big lesson in this chapter is that, you know, the, the righteous will be victorious Right And the wicked uh, will be punished, and we 're going to see that uh, here again with Mordecai and haman, so yeah let's let 's jump in uh, Esther chapter six, starting in verse one and let 's look at the first few verses. so during that night, the king could not sleep, so he gave an order to bring the book of records, the chronicles, and they were read before the king, and it was found written that Mordecai had reported concerning Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who were doorkeepers, that they had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. The king said, what honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? Then the king's servants who attended him said, nothing has been done for him. All right, so what problem does King Ahasuerus have here? You can't sleep, can uh, Does anyone else have that problem? Does anyone else deal with som- uh, insomnia? Uh, probably quite a few, right? Uh, but uh, I don't think the king necessarily has insomnia. Um, the Septuagint translation of this uh, verse actually says something to the effect of, but the Lord removed sleep from the king that night. So I think that the Jews... Uh, actually believe that you know something was going on here. It wasn't just a coincidence that he couldn't sleep that night, but that God was again providentially working uh, in the king's life and he for whatever reason wasn't able to sleep and so what did the king command to be done? What do you what do you do when you can't sleep? Did you grab that book? Start reading. Well, that's exactly what he does, right? He 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 he's not going to read the book, but he's going to have his uh, he's going to have his servants do that, right? Read to me, and, and what does he choose? Um, something that doesn't sound too thrilling, right? Uh, read to me the the Chronicles uh, of the King, the Book of Records. Uh, you know, it doesn't sound like a too thrilling a reading. Uh, but uh, but anyways, that's what they're going to read to him. Hopefully, to get him to fall asleep. And again, you know, it's difficult to attribute this anything other than the working of God. Right? Uh, his his sleeplessness. Um, uh, the, in verse two, uh, what passage did he happen to read about? Yeah, so it just so happened that the passage that was read to him was the events that happened in Esther chapter 2 when Mordecai, again, discovered that plot to overthrow the king's life. It just so happened that's what was read to him that night. And do you think that put him to sleep? No, it did the opposite effect, didn't it? It kept him awake and... Um, And so, you know, he's got uh, some. uh, Well, we'll get to this part in a minute here, but uh, uh, the fact that you know this man has not been rewarded, uh, you know, this uh, all of these things again, all of these things point to God's providence. And even in verse four, uh, we didn't read that, but we'll notice again something that's providentially happening. All of this is testifying to God's providence and. Do we tend to overlook those little things in our lives? You know, we think God's working in the big ways a lot, don't we? Um, you know, where, where we choose to work or who we choose to marry or, you know, whatever. But do we overlook those little things? We probably... Yeah, we, we probably do, don't we? Um, why the king couldn't sleep that night. Oh. Uh, the the exact passage that was being read, and uh, again, you know, think of your life, right? Think of your life, and just think of those little things that maybe you do um, to, you know, as we sort of talked about this in this morning's sermon, to, you know, honor Christ. Um, Can God use our kind words? Can he use our gestures to bring someone to Christ? Yeah, that's not a big deal, isn't it, to... You know, say something uh, uh, nice, complimentary to a person, to invite somebody to church, right? Um, To help out in a kind way. Uh, He he uses those little things, right? Or, uh, again, an invitation to a friend, right? Can that be God's tool to be used, uh, again, providentially to bring someone uh, to Jesus? So we can't discount those little things. And so we see a bunch of these little things here uh, at the beginning of this chapter. Now, what did the king learn about Mordecai? Well, he learned that Mordecai saved his life, didn't he? I don't know if it specifically says that he knew that or if he just forgot about that. But uh, he just learned, right, as he's trying to fall asleep, he learned that there was this plot against him to assassinate him, and Mordecai, this Jew, saved his life, and now he wants to know, what have we done to honor him? You know, have we given him the key to the city? Have we given him a lump sum of cash? You know, what have we done to honor him? And they tell him What? Yeah, but it also says that um, he he finds out that nothing has been done for him, right? Nothing has been done for Mordecai. And so the king wants to rectify this. You know, this is kind of a positive aspect of this king, isn't it? You know, we've seen a lot of negative, but uh, here is a person who um, wants to thank an individual. And do we, again, you know, we could ask this question again. You know, do we forget to show kindness to others? Do we sometimes forget to give thanks to others? Yeah, I think so, don't we? And that's another good example here of uh, in this chapter of you know of pointing that out, right? The the king forgot to give thanks or just didn't know about it to give thanks, and now he wants to give thanks to Mordecai. So let's uh, let's let's continue reading and see what uh, takes place here now. So verse four. So the king said, Who is in my court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace in order to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows, which he had uh, prepared for him. The king's servant said to him, Behold, Haman is standing in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, What is to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor? And Haman said to himself, whom would the king desire to honor more than me? Then Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king desires to honor, let him bring a royal robe, which the king has worn, and the horse on which the king had ridden, and on whose head a royal crown has been placed. And let the robe and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble princes, and let them array the man whom the king desires to honor and lead him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him. Thus, it shall be done to the man who the king desires to honor. OK, so uh, hopefully you see the, the irony that's going on here. All right in this chapter, it's almost, it, it, you know, it puts a smile on your face, hopefully. That as, we, as we read through there. But uh, this, king, this king is commonly asking for advice. And again, here's some more advice he's wanting to know. What, what can I do for this individual? Now, uh, it just so happens that Haman's in their court. And again, is this a coincidence that Haman is the one that's going to be asked for this uh, advice? I don't think so. Uh, if you remember last week's chapter, uh, they told Haman, right, they told Haman to go to the king early in the morning and remember him to give him those plans about having a Mordecai hung on the gallows, right, so uh, it doesn't surprise us here that Haman is there first thing in the morning, right, probably wants first in line to get to the king and, and to request this, but the king has something other to do, something more pressing, and so he asks him, you know, what, what do we do, um, what shall be done for this man whom the king delights to honor? Now, who does Haman think he's referring to? <laughs> himself, doesn't he? That, that's Haman, that's right? The prideful man, uh, the arrogant man that he was. You know, he thinks the king wants to honor him. He thinks the king is uh, kind of asking him. You, you know, don't you do that sometimes maybe to somebody? You know, you're trying to find out. You know, maybe what they would like for a birthday present or something. And you'd say, you know, hey, what's the coolest thing out there? What, what could I get so-and-so? But you're really trying to find out for them. You know, that, that's probably what's going on here, right? Uh, and so the king's saying, or at least that's what Haman's thinking. He, he, wow, you know, he, he wants to honor me again. And so he gives them that list, doesn't he? Listen, th- this is what you should do, right? Give him a robe that's worn by the king. Uh, give him uh, the king's horse with all the royal... Um, crest and all that emblazoned on it, let him ride through the city as one of the king's dignitaries, you know, have one of the princes uh, of the kingdom help lead the horse around in this procession. Um, You know, this is just simply uh, one of the highest things that a king could do to uh, reward somebody. Um, Now, in Haman's mind, again, Haman, we just said Haman probably thinks this is for him, but what does that tell you about Haman? What does it sound like Haman wants? Okay, yeah. What about like all the, you know, all of the attire that he's asking for um, to be placed on this person to be rewarded? I mean. It's, Yeah, to be seen by the public, you know, wearing a royal garb, right? And so it kind of almost seems like Haman is, uh, you know, he's wanting to be um, uh, displayed as the king himself. You know, uh, I want to wear the robe that the king would have worn. I want to ride his horse. I want to be paraded around and uh, shown through town. And, and, and again, the king says there at the end, thus shall it be done to the man who the king delights to honor. And again, Haman, you know, at this point, he thinks it's him, and again, I'm sure his pride is going through the roof, and uh, and so. Not like the king has made a point of not to reveal the name. Yeah, so so speaking about that point, you know, how dangerous is vanity and pride? Is this something that we need to guard against? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, would somebody read Proverbs twenty-seven, verse two, for us? Uh, if you if you can get there, Proverbs twenty-seven, verse two. But yeah, I mean, this chapter, uh, especially, uh, I think another great point is you know we need to guard against our, that, right? Of uh, uh, vanity and pride. But let, let's see what Proverbs twenty-seven, verse two says. Oh, no. Okay, let, a, let another praise you and, and not your own mouth. Right, uh, the wisdom of Solomon. Right, um, such a, a great verse when it comes to that because, uh, again, we need to make sure that we are not uh, prideful individuals like Haman because what happens to prideful individuals? They typically fall, don't they? And they typically fall hard, and we're going to see that with Haman. And, of course, we, we know that our Savior, you know, he, he taught that um, throughout the gospel accounts. If anyone desires to be first, what does he need to be? Last. last right? And so, um, you know, again, here's, a, here's an account in the Old Testament uh, of someone who desires to be first. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's going he's gonna to be last. Uh, not, the tar- not the type of last that Jesus is teaching here, but... Um, you know, James chapter four verse ten, humility is rewarded with um, being exalted by God. Right? God does the exalt, the exalting, and so um, we ought not to exalt our own selves, as Proverbs twenty seven verse two says. So, uh, let's let's finish this chapter, uh, and again, uh, notice here what's about to take place. So, uh, uh, Esther six verse ten. Then the king said to Haman, Take quickly the robes and the horse as you have said, and do so for Mordecai the Jew who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not fall short in anything of all that you have said. So Haman took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai, led him on horseback through the city square, and proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor." And then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. But Haman hurried home, mourning, with his head covered. And Haman recounted to Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that has happened to him. Then his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish origin, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hastily brought Haman to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. So can you imagine, uh, I guess, Haman's disappointment right now? As we just read there, verse 10 of the king now laying out who that person actually is that he wants to honor. And Haman's up here. He thinks it's him to about to get this royal treatment, and it's not. It's Mordecai, the, the man that he cannot stand, the man who he's willing to destroy the entire nation of the Jews, uh, is the one that the king is about to honor. And so, um, so everything... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get that get there in a minute. But what's it say? He goes home, and he's—I mean—he's not in good shape, right? And so, um, so yeah. So Mordecai gets everything. He gets that full treatment. He gets the horse. He gets the robe. He gets paraded around town. And uh, you know, I don't think King the King Ahasuerus um, is aware of Haman's hatred for the Jews or Haman's hatred for Mordecai. But I think the people in the city were, and I think, you know, this is going to be, I mean, how is how is Haman going to take this, uh, parading Mordecai around? It's going to be humiliating, isn't it? Um, Probably makes, makes you furious. Yeah, but yeah, all those people who have saw him, you know, get upset because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him, and now Mordecai is being exalted. And he's the one uh, who's not. And so, you know, I can just imagine the people there again being, uh, or at least Haman being humiliated there in front of all the people. But look at verse 12 one more time. I think this is a powerful verse. Uh, Verse 12, uh, just, just this first part says, Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. What does that tell you about Mordecai? Did what the king had wanted him to. Okay, yeah. So he was paraded around. He was given this royal treatment. And it just simply says he went back to the king's gate. Uh, Does does that show humility? Does that show a a person who isn't looking for his 15 minutes of fame? Right? He's just going back to where he ought to be. Right? And again, what a what a Um, What an example that is, right? And contrast that with Haman. Haman's on his way home. Haman is um, uh, where, verse 12. So the end of verse 12. But Haman hurried home mourning with his head covered. We've seen both these men mourning in this book, haven't we, so far? And uh, we remember when Mordecai was mourning... And what was the reason why he was mourning a few chapters ago? Yeah, he thought he was going to be killed, but who else? Oh, the whole nation, right? Uh, he was mourning for other people, I guess is the way I'd put it. You know, he, his mourning was selfless. Again, uh, he was uh, disturbed about what was going to happen to his people. But now you have Mordecai, or excuse me, now you have Haman mourning And why is Haman mourning? Jealousy? Jealousy? Um, Pride? pride, Humiliation? This isn't a selfless mourning. This is a selfish mourning, isn't it? Uh, And so you can contrast these two individuals, uh, Mordecai and Haman. Again, the the type of individual they were. Uh, We we see two accounts of them both mourning, uh, but one was doing it because of the potential destruction of the Jewish people. And the other one was because, you know, because he was humiliated, right? And, uh, again, you see the pride goes before the, the fall, right? The, the prideful fall hard. And so, again, how we deal with praise is important. Um, uh, again, good, another good example. Again, put yourself in that position. The king has just honored you. or You know, um, the king has just honored you, right? And you get done with that procession. Uh, you know, how might you react if you saw, you know, Haman standing next to you? Would you try to get at him, pick at him a little bit? You know, hey, hey look what I'm wearing. Um, you know, you should be bowing down to me now. You know, I think maybe sometimes we might feel that way, Right? Uh, that when we're in sort of that similar situation. um, Oh, absolutely not. Right. And that's why that's why Mordecai is such a great example, isn't he? Because it says simply he went back to the king's gate. Uh, He didn't go out and throw a celebration. He didn't, you know, plaster everything on Facebook and say, you know, hey, look what I what. Look how the king just honored me. And, you know, I want to see all them likes and stuff like that. But he just simply went back to what he was doing at the king's gate, and so again, uh, what a what a great example for us. Um, so, uh, verse uh, so verse thirteen. So Haman went back to his wife and to his friends. Remember, last chapter he did the same thing, and how and they gave him some advice, didn't they? Uh, they gave him some helpful advice. They they told him some things that he ought to do, but. This time around, it's not so positive, is it? Uh, what was that question that they asked him um, in verse 13? It says, If Mordecai before whom you have begun to fall is of Jewish origin, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. Uh, that's not comforting, is it? Uh, to get that reaction from your wife and, and friends that, listen, if, if this man... It was a Jew, and the king just honored him to the highest degree that he could and you're the one that's responsible for having all the Jews exterminated. This isn't going to be good for you, Haman and so again, you can see the irony here in this chapter as you know the two of them are kind of switching spots here and uh and then, in verse fourteen, again, you know this is just it's just amazing in this chapter that while all that's taking place you know who arrives to get Haman? King. Yeah, the king's eunuchs. Uh, they come to get Haman and rush him away because it's time for that banquet. right? That, that, that's about to take place. And so um, we've seen Haman throughout this chapter, uh, sort of this, you know, this skilled manipulator of the king uh, and you know, controlling other people's lives. And now he's not in control of his own life. And so uh, when we get to uh, the next chapter, you know, obviously we're going to see, you know, what's about to take place. But um, just kind of the overall theme of this chapter, you know, God protects his people, doesn't he? He protects his people. Um, I heard a preacher the other night was talking about how... um, you know, he, he had just baptized a young boy, and the boy said, you know, hey, I want to study with you. And so the preacher said, well, what do you want to study? And he said, the book of Revelation. And the preacher kind of thought, you know, that, that, that's kind of odd. Uh, you know, you want, to, you want to study Revelation, the first thing of becoming a Christian? But he said, okay, go home and read it, and uh, in a couple of weeks we'll study it together. And those couple of weeks went by, and he says to the boy when he sees him, okay, what did you learn? And the boy says... We win. You know, that's, that's what Revelation is about. The, that whole book is that Christians win. Uh, God's people win at the end. Uh, Parker loves watching these old basketball games from like the 80s and 90s. Uh, he's been watching a lot of Chicago Bulls, um, Michael Jordan games. And, you know, I, I watched those games live when I was a kid his age. I know how those games are going to end, you know. Um, and he does too because he's watching them over and over again. And that's the same thing for the Christian, right? We understand how it ends. We know how this is going to end, that God is going to win, uh, that, the, that evil is going to not win, right? And so uh, here is another great lesson from this chapter here that uh, you, Haman seems like he's got everything in his power, uh, that, he, that you know, he's going to win. He's going to destroy the Jews, but by the end of this chapter, he's down, right? And now Mordecai's up, and so um, it's a powerful chapter as we study that. And so I uh, appreciate everyone being here this morning. We will be in chapter 7, and then in the beginning of chapter 8 next week, because chapter 7, I believe, is only uh, 10 verses, so we'll jump into 8 as well, uh, but I appreciate this uh, study. And then Brother Jason, you got a closing prayer for us. Love for